I'm your host, Fraser Bailey, and welcome to the VegUp Podcast, where we talk mindset, psychology, plant-based nutrition, lifestyle, and big dreams. So if you want to get your head in the game, level up, and become the best version of you, listen in. Let's go. Digestive issues on a plant-based vegan diet. Guys, this morning I wanted to talk to you all about one of the biggest barriers when it comes to make anyone making this transition. And I know that I've covered some of these things back in season one. So definitely go back, revisit all of those podcasts in season one because I lace these nuggets in amongst all of these things. But one of the one of the noticeable things that I've seen coming into 2021 is the first of all the amount of people that want to try a vegan diet, which I think is great. But secondly, the, the amount of gas that people are experiencing when they try and adopt a plant based diet. And first of all, I want to tell you that it's it's normal and it's not. It's normal in the sense that it's common for it to happen. But it's not normal. Like you shouldn't be experiencing a lot of gas and bloating. And if you are, it's an it's indicative that you need to work on your digestive system. And I'm going to talk about how and why and some of the methodology behind that in this podcast episode. So if you have tried or are trying a vegan diet and you're experiencing gas or bloating or just digestive stress in general. We're going to dive in and talk about some of the commonalities, some of the biggest influences when it comes to optimizing this. Because if you can get around this, and the majority of majority of people can, if you can get around this, you can optimize everything beyond that. So it's kind of like opening Pandora's box. Once you figure this out, the you can you can achieve all kinds of things. So one of or some of the biggest potential triggers when it comes to getting this negative response often that i find is that people go from eating a standard american diet or a paleo diet or whatever it is and they're consuming less fiber so they're consuming less insoluble and soluble fiber so fiber is an the form of just vegetables in general. So all vegetables have some degree of fiber. Um, some have more than others. So, you know, green vegetables, broccoli, kale, spinach, zucchini, all of these things, they all have fiber in them. Some of them have insoluble fiber. Some things like fruits have soluble fiber. Now, think about eggs, for example, or think about chicken or fish or whatever. There's no fiber in any of those foods. And so all of a sudden, when you're adding lentils in, which also have fiber, or you're adding black beans in, which also have fiber, you're adding in a lot more additional fiber into your diet. If your gut has not been accustomed to handling 50 grams or 60 grams or 100 grams of fiber when previously it was consuming 10, it is like trying to push an interstate's worth of traffic down a little quiet country road. <laughs> there's there's so much traffic volume that the road just gets completely destroyed. Think about that. Like if you had to have you know, 118 wheeler semi trucks go down uh, a small road, what's that road going to look like at the end? That, my friend, is your your digestive system. So 
there's a couple of things at play here. So people will often go full gung-ho when it comes to adding in all the different plant proteins. They'll be adding in beans. They'll be adding in big salads. They'll be adding in all the good stuff. And long-term, those are going to be things that are going to be an inherent part of your diet. But short-term, on the micro level, you need to allow your body to acclimate. And we have to be way more intentional about how we approach things and have a plan. Because if you just throw everything in at once, you're going to get a negative response. You're going to think it's not working for you. And then you're going to quit. And I've seen way too many people go down that path. So the first thing that I would tell you is you just need to be wary and or reduce down your fibrous vegetable portions a little bit. Like, you know, if you're doing a massive green salad, do half of it. If you're doing a big old plate of stir fry, do half of it. There's nothing wrong early on with reducing down some of that those portions. You might say, well, isn't it healthy for me? Like I'm, I'm getting in all these, these nutrients, these vitamins and minerals. Yeah, you are. And long term, you can increase those portions given the right strategies. But right now, it's giving you a really negative effect that's going to stop you in your tracks. And so I find just bringing that total fiber content down to some extent can be very helpful. So that's the first thing is don't go so gung-ho on adding in every single vegetable you can think of and every massive portion you can think of. And that kind of segues into the second thing is keep your diet very simple at first. So if you're adding in, like I've talked about in previous podcasts in season one, like of adding in the rainbow. So do you have a red vegetable? Do you have an orange vegetable? Do you have a purple vegetable? Where's your green vegetable? Where's your yellow vegetable? All of these different things are indicative of different types of micronutrient values. Long-term, good thing. Short-term, sometimes it can be negative because if you're adding in a lot of variables into your diet, how do you know what is causing the issues? The more variables you have early on, the harder harder it is to determine what the issue actually is. So what I will tell people is opt for slightly higher water content veg, like zucchini, yellow squash. If you're just steaming things like zucchini and yellow squash early on, that can be very helpful. Whereas if you're doing big raw salads with lots of different colored vegetables, you don't know what is what is creating the inflammation. And it's really going to be way more challenging, far more tedious to try and troubleshoot the issues, which segues into another point is that sometimes it's not even the food itself, it's the delivery mechanism. So raw foods like salads, great. I mean, they're the ideal long term. I've got to the point now where I've acclimated my gut to be handling pretty much all raw vegetables. Early on, I would have been a hot, bloated mess had I done that. But given the right strategies and systems, I microdosed certain things into my diet to build the right type of bacterial environment to handle the breakdown of these things. And so, again, um, it comes back to like raw versus cooked versus steamed, for example. So what I suggest to people is rather than adding in a bunch of salads, steam your vegetables. It helps to partially break down those cell walls, partially break down that fiber so it's not so vicious on your digestive system early on. Again, raw foods, not a bad thing. But just within the context that you might find yourself in, not ideal. So again, sometimes the things that you have to do early on to acclimate your systems won't be the things that you do long term for the most part. So just think about that and remember that. Another thing is just doing too many legumes straight out of the gate. So like if you're adding in a bunch of 
beans and lentils, those things are really good. I consume a lot of those things, but you're going to get a lot of gas early on if you're consuming a lot of additional fiber in the form of those things. Some proteins seem to sit better with different people. So for example, uh, doing a more carbohydrate-based protein like quinoa, quinoa seems to be a little bit easier on the gut than a black bean, for example. And this is just going to take some testing. Sometimes you're not going to have a clear answer. The, the thing I want to emphasize with digestion is it's a very complicated system. And it's got many overlapping mechanisms. And you have to be willing to test things and troubleshoot and understand the biofeedback cues, which is a complicated thing. And that's why I'm here to help you. And that's why I highly suggest that if you've experienced or you do experience these things to reach out and let me guide you and coach you through these processes. Because if you don't, it's going to be much more confusing and it's going to take a lot longer. So I'll talk about that more at the end. But some other tips. On an acute level, um, Things that you can do right out of the gate to help is leave the protein powders out for a little while. Often what I find is when people come to a plant-based diet, they tend to be protein powder heavy. Um, they're obsessed with hitting a certain amount of grams of protein. Forget that to start with. Just make sure you're getting enough total calories. That's it. So if you need to get 2,000 calories per day, don't stress out about trying to hit 180 grams of protein. Just get your total 2,000 calories first. Address that total first. But do it in the form of whole foods because I've found that often protein powder can be quite a catalyst for getting excessive gas, especially when you start adding in more than one serving per day. So if you're getting gas, if you're getting bloating, you need to look at that. And sometimes it's the type of protein powder as well. So some people are much more sensitive to certain types than others. So definitely take an assessment of that. And another thing is keep your fruit separate from your main meals. If you're consuming fruit next to protein sources, you can create essentially what is a fermentation process. And think about it. Fer fermentation creates gas. That gas is essentially farts, basically, right? So from that perspective, fruit, keep it as mono meals bet between your lunch and dinner meals as snacks. So whether it's your blueberries or your grapefruits or your oranges or your kiwi fruits or whatever, keep it separate as snacks between your main meals to avoid that excessive fermentation process. And obviously there's a whole timing with that too. So some fruits sit well with other people, some don't. Sometimes people get gas with apples early on. You've got to be very cognizant of the types of food choices you're making. Be willing to kind of like test things and adapt. Now, if you're getting some really bad gas right now and you just need something really short term to help, things like lemon ginger tea. So if you're drink, drinking a few cups of lemon ginger tea between meals through the day, a high quality peppermint essential oil. Make sure it's high quality because there's a lot of garbage out there and it's not the real thing. So peppermint oil, lemon ginger tea, even glutamine. So taking you know anywhere up to five grams of glutamine per day can really help. There is a specific digestive enzyme that I use with my students that I found really helpful in terms of breaking down uh, fiber and cell walls and things that helps just reduce the work the di digestive system has to do. Chew your food more. This is a big one. And this kind of relates to do not eat in a stressed state. These two come hand in hand. So usually what you'll find is that people eat in a stressed state, first of all. And when they're eating in a stress state, they tend to rush and they don't chew their food properly. Two things happen here. One, you don't get the digestive enzyme releasing from your mouth 
that you would have if you chewed more. So essentially chewing, what it does is it doesn't just masticate or break food up, but as you're chewing, you release digestive enzymes in your saliva that start to break down food before it reaches your stomach and your digestive system. That's one thing. And the second thing is think about this. Stress, phys- psychological stress, physiological stress. When an animal, when a human is in a psychologically stressed state, aka flight or fight, their blood volume goes to their lungs, their heart, and their muscles for a flight or a fight response. Digestion shuts down. It shuts down. You lose blood volume to your digestion, which is essentially like fueling digestive function. When you're in a rest and digest state, parasympathetic nervous system, that's rest and digest. So that's when you sleep, it's when you regenerate, it's when you recover, it's when your hormone profiles optimize, it's when you digest. You lose blood volume going from your heart and your lungs and your muscles and it goes into your digestion. And if you're eating in a stressed state, you're putting food into your system but you don't have the mechanisms to start breaking it down. So it sits in your gut and it ferments. So this is a hard one for people. And this is where ha- like proper habit formation, lifestyle adjustments, breath work, proper planning and strategies really, really matter. And so that's a big one. Um, you can eat all the right foods and you can eat all your normal diet. But if you eat in a highly stressed state, you might get a, a, a negative gut reaction when you normally would not even with the same food. So just be aware of that. Um, other things are like, don't eat three hours before bed. You know, if you eat too close to bed, what I've found for myself is that it keeps my body temperature elevated. When my body temperature is elevated, I don't get into a deep state of sleep. You just don't digest well as you're trying to fall asleep. And so for those reasons, and you don't sleep well either. And so you wake up feeling really unrested, need to pound tons of caffeine or pre-workout supplements. Not good. That's not how we want to operate, guys. We want to do minimal stuff when it comes to stimulants, if any. And if you're doing a lot of those things, it means you need to optimize sleep cycles, which often means you need to optimize how you're eating in the evening as well. So I know all of these things can be complicated, but just look at it from a perspective of keeping it simple, high water content, fibrous veg like zucchini, yellow squash, steaming the vegetables, rotating proteins to seemingly less harsh proteins like quinoa is a good one. You could even try a little bit of tofu. Sometimes that works well for people. Keeping your fruit separate from your main meals, but on an acute level, lemon, ginger tea, peppermint oil, glutamine, and a good digestive enzyme. You do those things early on, and at least it provides the scaffolding, like the substrate to allow you to then move forward. Moving forward can be a lot more of a complicated process because you have to know what are the triggers and how to microdose foods back into your system. One of the things that I want to emphasize is that your gut is like a, a garden. Right, So you've got probiotic and prebiotic foods coming into your system. Prebiotic foods might be like chickpeas or potato or bananas or things like that. Think of prebiotic foods as your soil. It's the soil to your garden. Probiotic foods are going to be things like sauerkraut, miso, um, kombucha, tempeh. That's the seeds. That's the bacterial seeds that will grow in the prebiotic soil. If you're just adding in a probiotic, but you're not consuming the right prebiotic foods, you're not going to have the soil to grow the seeds and to cultivate the right bacterial environment. Equally, if 
you add in too many seeds at first, like too much sauerkraut, too much fermentation, you're going to get excessive gas because you don't even have the, the right bacteria to break those things down. Just remember that when you're making a transition, you're going to have bacteria that previously thrived off meat-based products, eggs, those types of things, which is more of a negative bacterial environment. And it's going to get angry. One, they're not going to have their food supply that they want. So they're going to send out negative signals. And two, when you do introduce foods that are foreign to them, they don't know how to break those things down and you don't have the floor yet to break them down. So you're going to get sometimes a negative response adding these new foods in. An acclimation period is fundamental. And that's why at the end of all of this, guys, I can give you these tips, but I cannot emphasize enough how much you will need additional help. I've seen people come to me and ask me, hey, like I've been getting these problems is really bad. And then a month later, they're back doing their old tricks again. And I'm like, if you just recognize that you need to invest in yourself and invest in a process to get you through that initial hurdle, you would have opened Pandora's box in terms of optimal results. And now you're missing out on all of those things because you wanted to try and bootleg a process you do not understand. And I'll be the first to tell you guys, it's complicated. Like I've been doing this for years now and it is complex, but a good coach is someone who's able to take complex ideas and give you simple things to do, like add lemon ginger tea or reduce the portion of the fiber in this meal or rotate this one protein with this other one. Simple things and then explaining why, like, hey, I'm doing this one thing just to test X, Y, Z. That is powerful because when you understand what your body's trying to tell you based on the food you're putting in and based on the stresses in your life, you're able to adapt your diet, customizing it to what you specifically need. That is powerful because once you understand that, you can open Pandora's box in terms of optimal results. There's nothing stopping you. Once you get your digestion locked down, there's nothing stopping you from hitting optimal blood work, optimal body composition, optimal brain function, optimal everything, because then you don't have a limitation to all these nutrient-dense foods you can consume that many people don't think they can. They think they're allergic to them or they're just not cut out for a vegan diet when in actuality, they're not acclimated. So my challenge to you today is that if you're getting excessive gas, excessive bloating, or that's been the barrier for you up until this point, or you're even getting brain fog, because I tell you now, brain fog and digestive issues come hand in hand. I have not yet to see someone who did not have digestive issues if they were getting brain fog. The two come hand in hand, and sometimes you won't even realize it. You optimize your gut, you will reduce and clear out the brain fog too. If any of this sounds like you, reach out to me and let's talk. Let's get you on a strategy. I can help you expedite that process, get you past all those massive, what seem like massive roadblocks, get you past that so you can open Pandora's box of results today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Veg Up podcast and don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes go live. Please leave us a review and share this on social media. Tag me. Let me know what helped you. Let me know what you want to hear more of. Let's get this information out to the world. Help me do that. And be sure to email us over at Fraser at EvolvingAlpha.com for coaching options and mentorship. Because if you want growth, it begins here, my friend.